Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. left to go into everlasting darkness. Reverend Joe Olaya is the president and founder of Living Faith Foundation, a group of churches, a dynamic servant of God who has maintained a consistent walk with the Lord for over 30 years. God has used him tremendously to minister the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with signs and wonders and testimonies to show for it. He's the architect behind the Sorting Out program, a program which facilitates for many people's freedom from bondage. He's happily married to Pastor Mrs. Florence Olaya, and they are blessed with children. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Reverend Joe Olaya. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you because you are God forever. 
Thank you because you reveal yourself to us. You are the uncreated creator, the one that has been before time began, the one that has been before the world began, the one who brought everything into being, the one who knows us more than we know ourselves. Father, we honor you today, maker of heaven and earth. We bring you worship and praise. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of understanding. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for strength. We thank you for the opportunities. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the rainfall. We thank you for the changes of times and the seasons. We thank you for a structured society. We thank you for family. We thank you for loved ones. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Even though we do not comprehend the entirety of all that is happening, yet we give you thanks. Please receive our thanks in Jesus' name. Lord, as we go into your word again today, let the light shine. Lord, reveal yourself personally to each one of us that we might be able to develop a relationship with you, an intimate relationship, a relationship that will last forever. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Intimacy with God in reality intimacy with God. I told you earlier that for you to ever relate with God, you need to believe that He is. Because the only thing available for us to connect with the invisible, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God who has chosen to make Himself invisible and does come when he likes to make himself visible. But for most part, he remains invisible to us in our present state. This almighty God, the only way I open for you to relate with him is through faith. Through internal, personal, inward conviction. That God is, based on this Evidence that we see that the complexity of the universe, the complexity of the human being, the complexity of nature, the precision and the accuracy shows the work of a super intelligence. And if he is, then he has a purpose for all that he created. And that we as men should find out what is his purpose for our lives. And on realizing that we should be able to fulfill that purpose. And I will ask you one question. Everything ever invented by man directly serves man or indirectly serves man. You constructed a chair, it's for your comfortable sitting. A bed, it's for your comfortable lying down. You manufacture the car is to aid you in movement. So everything man created, everything that man has manufactured, everything that man has invented, you will look at everything serves the interest of man, directly or indirectly. And if you look at the earth, almost every other thing on earth and around the earth seems to serve the interest of man. That reveals that. This maker, his purpose, with every assurance, is that the things he created on earth should serve man's interest. The sunshine, the rainfall, the earth, 
the plants that grow, the animals that move, the insects that fly. Everything, is, everything seems to be working towards one purpose, fulfilling the pleasure, the interest, and the benefit of mankind. So, what then is the purpose for man? If all the things God created around man are to serve the interest and be beneficial to man, then man himself must be serving someone's interest. And I dare to say, according to Isaiah, that we were made for his pleasure. We were created for his purpose, for his pleasure. And that pleasure is what we will fulfill. So, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, it starts with knowing why he created you. Those who desire a closer walk with God are those who want to go into his innermost chamber and spend time with him. Such desire must be self-motivated. On your own, you pick the interest. That is very, very clear. On your own, you must show the interest that you want to know God. You want to be intimate with God. You want to walk with God. You want to closely relate with Him. It's not a decision that can be imposed on you. If you do not decide that, that look, this Almighty Creator, why did He even create me? Why am I here? Why did he desire for me to be here? Why does he... What is his plan for my life? And when you get to crack this, then you can move on to the next stage. I want to ask you, why do two people want to relate? Either to work together? Why do they want to relate? Either to become a family, talking between a man and a woman for marriage. Why do men and women want children to foster a wider relationship, to expand the network of relationship existing between father and mother, between husband and wife, to bring it to children? And family relationships are intended to last forever, for a lifetime. You have considered before you're going to marry that I want to live with this person. Stay together with him or her and be a family. And such decision means automatically there must be intimacy. Such relationship grows and then you want to have children. Many of the people who relate to God do not realize that God has a personality like ours. Because all our good traits are from him. According to the scripture and the divine understanding, God made us like himself. Today man is an inventor. He's a designer. Man has and demonstrates creativity. Where did he get it from? Obviously from the almighty God. Who according to the scripture says, he made us like himself. He said, let us make man in our own image. Genesis 1.26 So, the earlier you realize that all your personality traits, all your good traits, 
come from God. And so, the God you want to relate to is somebody that has feeling like you have feeling. He feels hurt, just like you can feel hurt. He, he feels excited, just like you also can feel excited. We were made after his likeness. So if you want to relate to him, you can start structuring the kind of relationship you want with him. But the relationship that really, really exists and is adequate between man and God is that father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship. That is very conspicuous. And if you can get into that relationship, everything will start going well for you. There are other forms of relationship, but we will not go into that. What we find today is that a lot of the philosophy about God and the existence of God are limited to a kind of what I would call the Sinai mentality. A furious God. That is the mentality that exists between strange gods, idols, gods that are not really gods, impostor gods, that reveal themselves to mankind as gods. These gods torment, oppress, enslave, and dehumanize mankind. But the God we are talking about is the all-wise God all-knowing God whose intelligence is by far superior to the intelligence of man. Who understands and is the wisest. That is the God we are talking about. The God who loves and cares for mankind. The God who says that man is his offspring. He reasons with his creatures. Calls man his child. Calls man his child. When they go into error, he goes after them to seek them, to bring them back home. This God does not fit in into the demon gods that the various cultures of the world worship. Those demon gods are tormentors. They are oppressors. They have no consideration for love. And when you come to know this almighty God, who made you like himself, and his desire and purpose that you should be his offspring, I ask mothers and fathers, why did you decide to have children? They said they had decided to have children so that the children can give them love. They can shower their love of their children and the children can respond in love so so it gravitates around you so you are having children for your self pleasure so why do you think god created us for his own for his own pleasure for his own purpose and the earlier we accepted that the better in ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 21 it says we are no longer strangers or foreigners but fellow citizens saints are members of the household of god so god wants people who will belong to his family you want intimacy with god then be ready to be part of god's family the sign of mentality in hebrews chapter 12 verse 18 to 24 hebrews 12 18 to 24 
He says, you have not come to the mountain that may not be touched. That burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who had it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. So terrible was the sight, so terrifying was it, that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 11, we see the account. But God said to them, I am calling you to myself. I want you to be my people. I want you to be my children. And I want you to be the highest nation on earth. But Israel did not understand that. The terrifying fire blocked their minds. They could not see the love of God. In the 24th chapter of Exodus, God even came down, sat with them, called for the elders. They came to him in the mountain. After the sacrifice had been done and the covenant had been enacted and the blood had been spilled and they had been cleansed and washed, God brought them into fellowship and God sat down and ate with the elders of Israel. That is still not really, really acceptable in our imagination. But look at it. Verse 8 of Exodus 24. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. That means there's not a relationship within us. It is, this relationship is sealed with a covenant. Then Moses, this is the blood of the covenant which God has made with all, in all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders. And they saw God of Israel. And there was under his feet as it were a pavement of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. That is fellowship. God brought these elders into fellowship saying, look, the reason why I am entering this covenant with you is love. I had a covenant with your father. And I'm bringing that covenant to you. It's a covenant of love. The mercy that I swore to show to your father Abraham. So it's all about love. But Israel did not understand. The initial burning fire. The thunderings and the lightnings. And the tempest. And the smoke. And the loud noise. Blinded them. From God's desire to be in fellowship with them. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. But this is what God said. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verse 6 right down to 15. But I'll just take verse 8. Because the Lord loves you. And because he will keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Because the Lord loves you. Then in verse 9 says, Therefore know that the Lord your God is God, faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generation. Which says, look, I am going to show you mercy. I am going to keep my covenant of love, the covenant to love you. Then in verse 12 he says, It shall come to pass because you listen to this voice, to this judgment, and keep and do them. The Lord your God will keep the covenant and the mercy, the love, which is swore to your fathers. 
and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. That's what God wants to do. And somebody who is swearing, who is promising to love you, to bless you, certainly you need to be intimate with him. But we've got to move away from that mentality to what I call the Zion mentality where you accept yourself as a child of God, as a member of God's family. And for you to face the reality of that, you need to understand that beginning of relationship with God is becoming his child, returning to God to be his child as we were created to be in the beginning. Why do fathers and mothers desire to have a child so that the child will be part of the family and they can shower that child with love. So there must be intimacy. I want you to take your relationship with God beyond religious ritual. Coming to the house of the Lord, reading your Bible as a ritual, singing as a ritual. I want you to bring it to relationship. How does it start? As many as receive Jesus into their lives, that believe Jesus, the Son of God, to them he gives power to become sons of God. So why does Jesus come in? Because we lost being children of God. We lost that relationship line. We went into sin, and sin made us unlike God. So now God sends Jesus into the world to do something, to pay the price required for redeeming us from sin, and to bring us back into the family, like children that left home and strayed away. And their elder brother goes out in search of the children. The children have disobeyed, they have rebelled, and said, don't worry, daddy wants you back. And, and takes up all the responsibility, or takes responsibility for everything that younger one has done wrong. Takes responsibility for it and brings the child back home. So, it is only through Jesus Christ you can have your sins forgiven. Why only through Jesus Christ? Because the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, you cannot make remission for sins. Only Jesus ever came into the world and lived a sinless life and therefore qualified to stand for other sinners. And he gave his life. So, once you have believed in him, you are now given authority to join the family again. So immediately you do that, the Spirit of God is given to you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 16 of Romans chapter 8 says, verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, you need to accept Jesus and become joint here with Jesus. And now that you are a member of the family of God through faith in Christ, then you can start a relationship from how the mother relates to a baby, the father relates to a baby, they do everything for the baby, the baby is growing in maturity. So, I'll tell you about that, how you can be very intimate with God. Now, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So it is our faith in Jesus. Why? Faith in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that Jesus lived a sinless life, and Jesus died for our sins, and shed his blood to redeem us from sin, and rose from the dead. And who is that Jesus? 
Jesus is the Son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and born of a virgin called Mary. He grew up like any other man-child, but the difference, he was never subject to sin. He never committed sin. So, he says, behold, look at the manner of love God has to us, that we should be called the sons of God. Why? Because somebody called Jesus has shed his blood for us to be saved from our sins, which is what separated us from God. Now, having established that relationship, you believed in Jesus Christ and became a child of God through repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. Then, you are given authority, power, to live like a child of God, according to John 1.12. And then, according to John 3.16, because you believe in Jesus Christ, you are given everlasting life. Which means now that you are a child of God, you are going to live with God forever. You are back to the family and you will remain in the family forever. If you believe it, say Amen. That's John 3.16. He that believes in Jesus has passed from death to life. According to John 5.24. So this foundation of your relationship is very important. And he who has Jesus has life and eternal life. According to 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 to 13, you have life and eternal life because you believe in Jesus Christ. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. How do you have the Son? By believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. From that moment, you have Jesus. So believing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and accepting him as your Lord and Savior, qualifies you to become a child of God and endows you with eternal life. This gives you privilege of enjoying fellowship with God as your Father. And gives you the privilege of becoming a member of God's household and his family. Immediately, you took that decision. The Holy Spirit comes in and and takes residence in you. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, from the day you made the commitment and said, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, the Holy Spirit came into your life. This is the beginning of your everlasting relationship. Therefore, for you to maintain this relationship as God's own child, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18 says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, those who have not believed. Don't be at par with them. Don't enter into the things they enter into. For what fellowship, what sharing exists between righteousness and lawlessness? Any communion between light and darkness? Any accord between Christ and Belial? For you are the temple of the living God. That is, so you say, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch the unclean things, the sinful things. Separate yourself from them. Then he says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. So God craves to father you. God wants to father you. So now, put yourself in the position of a child of God, and therefore begin to keep away from the unclean things. There is another thing that stops our intimacy with God. It is the physical God mentality. The mentality that wants to see a physical God. The mentality that wants to hear a loud sound, audible sound. 
the mentality that wants to see a dramatic display, a tangible presence. But let me tell you, Jesus said in John 1 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. In Colossians 1 15, Jesus Christ is revealed as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. In, his, in Paul's letter to, to, to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1 17, 1 Timothy 1 17 says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. How do you relate to the invisible God, the only wise God? A lot of ages. They say, if God is God, let him show his face. Listen to me. The God who created time has been before time. The God who created space has been before space. And God is superior to space and time and matter. Trying to reduce God to time and matter and space for you to find him out means that you have not understood that he's a super, super intelligence who has created you. The man that created space cannot be contained in space. He may choose to come into space, but he cannot be held down in it. So you cannot track God that you want to track your fellow neighbor. How then do you relate to him? How do you relate to the invisible? Who only has immortality, dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. That is 1 Timothy 6.16. He dwells in the light which no man can approach. So how do you see him? For Jesus, the Son of God, to come on earth, he had to reduce his own glory. One day he took the three disciples, beloved disciples, to a very high mountain and decided to transfigure. When they looked at his face, it was brighter than the noonday sun. So they couldn't even look at it. And Jesus took off that glory. And reduced himself. And he told the disciples, tell no man this until the Son of Man is glorified. That is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. So, this invisible God who dwells in light that cannot be approached wants to relate with you. What a privilege. So, what are you going to do relating with the invisible God? Now, it's true faith. Without faith, it's impossible to relate to God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of that which you do not see. So there's a conviction in your heart that tells you you are not a product of accident. That somebody created you. That conviction, turn it to action and say, God, I know you are even though I do not see you. I know you are super, super, super great even though I lack words to describe you. But I want to relate to you. So through such faith and conviction, you can start relating with God. He said in verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not... That, I mean, verse 3 of, of Hebrews 11. See, by faith we understand the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made from the things which are visible. So even this visible earth that you see was brought out from the invisible. That means there is invisible reality. God is an invisible reality. He brought all this visible from the invisible. 
So, because our scientific gadgets and our finite understanding, limited understanding, cannot search out the entire scope of invisibility, is no reason for anybody to open his mouth and say there is no creator. <laughs> through faith, God brought out the visible from the invisible. So I say through faith. You, a tangible, visible man, can relate with the invisible. So the faith, believing that God is, is your bridge to connect with God. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 to 10 Second Timothy chapter one verse nine to ten say, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the good news I have for you is this: before time began. Most of the things we are experiencing today have been prepared. Now, Jesus Christ, by dying and rising from the dead, has abolished the power of death. And has now made it plain to us that you and I, at the end of the day, because we believe in Jesus, shall live forever. So, in relating with God, you relate with God by faith. Faith in what? Faith in his word. So the word of God becomes very handy for your relationship. Without the word of God, you cannot know God. And you say, how did they get this word? Oh, all scripture was given by the inspiration. God inspired those who wrote the scripture. And God is still inspiring people today. God wants to inspire you. God wants to relate with you with inspiration. Say there's a spirit in man. Job chapter 32 verse 8. There's a spirit in man. The inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. God's language is understanding. God wants to give you understanding. As you begin to accept the truth that God is, He will begin to give you understanding. God is the only eyewitness who was there when the earth and the universe was created. He gave Moses inspiration to know. And Moses documented it in the book of Genesis. Up until now, there is no findings, scientific findings that has ever disproved what Moses said, which he received by the inspiration of God. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the other prophets confirm it. Before time began, the Christian faith is the only faith that recognizes God that exists before time. All the other religions, their gods came to being within the frame and space of time. All the other religions, their gods came into being. They never, they don't have a God that exists outside time. So how do you relate with him? Through his word. Believe in his word. So make it a duty that you will hear the word of God, you will read the word of God, you will study the word of God, meditate in the word of God regularly. As you start reading the word of God, in the process of reading, Listening to his active voice as you hear the word of God and you begin to distinguish what he is saying to you. Uh, time allotted for this message will not be able to do justice to you recognizing the voice of God actively to you today. But I will let you, I will have, give you some few tips. 
Understanding what God is saying to you now, that is the rhema as you study the word of God, is very important. God speaks to us in the thoughts of our hearts and gives you the understanding and light as he is speaking to you. So God will speak to you in understanding. Through the thoughts of your heart, he will be speaking to you. And that will only happen if whenever you are hearing a message being preached, you believe that God is the one speaking to you. In the series of things being spoken under the unction of the Holy Spirit, there will be that part of the message that will strike your heart and open your eyes and give you understanding. That is a rhema for you. While you are studying your Bible in the morning or in the daytime, while you are meditating, there will be part of the meditation that will strike you. It's like you hear a voice in your heart. The words will leap out to you. If you read my book, How to Hear God for Yourself, that's the most recent book I wrote, How to Hear God for Yourself, it gives you ample examples and description of recognizing the voice of God as you go through the day, as you read the scriptures, as you listen to a sermon, that will do you a lot of good. Speaking back to God, also creating time to speak back to God. There is no family member, no child that does not speak to his father and mother. And there is no father and mother that does not speak to his child. So every day God is speaking to us. The problem is our ability to discern in the midst of the several voices what the voice of God is saying. So you begin to speak back to God through praise and worship, appreciating God, praising Him. Through your prayer request, asking God what you want Him to do for you that you cannot do for yourself. Expressing to God your challenges, your fears, your pains and troubles. He understands your very thoughts. While your thoughts are going on in your heart, he can hear them loudly. So this will now take you to the third step, working with God. So the first phase of it is hearing God through his word, through sermons, through messages, through reading of the scriptures, through meditation in his word. The second part is speaking back to God, having time to tell God how you feel what you want and then interceding even for others abraham is one of the best examples of a man that had an intimate relationship with god to the extent that one day god broke through the veil of invisibility and appeared in abraham's house to tell him of the news in genesis chapter 18 of what he was about to go and do in sodom and gomorrah to reduce it to ashes because of their wickedness so, you start working with God. That is, you move now from just telling God what you want to doing what God says you should do. Because as you spend time going through the word of God, you begin to discover what God wants you to do and what he does not want you to do. So you begin to apply obedience. And finally, you start working with God. That means you start carrying out assignments for the Lord. Ministering, witnessing, preaching the gospel. David was a man that loved God. He had intimate relationship with God. And the way he expressed his love is that he said, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandment, to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your status. That is Psalm 119, verse 47 and 48. 
Verse 97, Psalm 119 says, Oh, how I love your law. So your love for God will grow as you spend time with the word of God. You spend time in prayers. You spend time in fellowship with other brethren to praise God. You spend time alone to worship God, to thank the Lord. You spend time to tell him your challenges. Come apart. Overcome the physical God mentality. He is invisible. But he is very present with you. That is invisible makes it possible for him to be everywhere, every time. God is with you. God is in you. God is around you. Never, never lose consciousness of God. Everywhere you go, know that he is with you. And as you continue to do these things, your intimacy with God will grow. Let us pray. You want to have an intimate relationship with God. Just say after me. My Lord and my God. I want to have an intimacy with you. I want my relationship with you to grow. I want to know you better. Therefore, I commit myself to this relationship with you. I renew my covenant relationship with you. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I ask you to take away any sin that will want to separate me from you. Let the blood of Jesus Christ make atonement for me. And give me grace never to indulge myself in things that make you unhappy. Father, I accept my new status as your child. I accept Jesus and confess him. As Lord and Savior over my life. I also declare today. That I will spend more time. Studying your word. Knowing that every time. I take your word to study. You are speaking to me. Knowing that every time. I set apart time to listen. To sermons. To listen to your message. You are speaking to me. And help me to recognize. In particular. Anything you want me to receive as I study. Father, I will also spend time to communicate with you. To tell you my request. To tell you my challenges. To tell you about my joy. I will spend time to praise you. I will spend time to thank you. I will spend time to appreciate you. And Father, help me to walk with you. I understand that this relationship is to be forever. I love to continue to relate with you. To be your child eternally. Never to be separated from you. Therefore, I reestablish my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that I am a member of God's family, I declare that by the grace of God, I will remain so until the day I see Jesus. Knowing this, as you have said, that he that believes in Jesus has everlasting life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. And thank you, Father, as I begin to grow in my intimate relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I will pray for you now. Father, thank you. We have together declared our love for you, our desire to be intimate with you. Please, Lord, I ask, may this be the beginning of a new level of intimacy with you. That from day to day, our relationship with you will grow. And we shall increase and get closer to you and know you better. There are great blessings, Lord, that come with knowing you. 
that those blessings will begin to manifest in our lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.